0: To his good fortune. He's restored to wealth, he's restored to health. The neighbors will come and see him again. But there are some things you can't get back. There were children that died in the first go-round. Those kids aren't coming back. He has more children which is wonderful and he loves his children and his children love him and and they bring him happiness in his old age, and that's wonderful. But what about the ones that were gone? Job never sees them again. It is a loss and a grief that that we're familiar with when we lose someone. That shock and realization that we're not going to see that person again on this side. Of glory. There's comfort in knowing that we'll see them eventually. Yeah. But there's loss at knowing that we're not going to see them like we did. We're not going to know them on this side of things again. My uncle, my my mother's youngest brother passed away after a brief illness, when he was relatively older, but relatively young. He was in his 60s. 60s and 70s and 80s is, as I get older, those ages get progressively younger. (laughs) The the bar keeps moving. My dad is 80 now, and that's just not, not as old as I thought it was when I was 30. So he was in his 60s. My grandmother was in poor health. She was in a nursing home, mind starting to slip. So they decided not to tell her that my Uncle Bob had died. Because one of two things was likely to happen. It was either going to upset her terribly that her youngest son had died, for no good purpose, she couldn't do anything about it, or she wouldn't know what she was being told and would forget it immediately anyway. So no good purpose was going to come out of telling her. She died March of last year, March of 2020. I'm still trying to figure out the scene at the pearly gates. When my grandmother arrives to find not only her mother there, who she dearly loved, but her youngest son. a list of things I want to ask when I get there? Uh, I, I have a running list. I, I, Paul's got his own list. I've got a list for Paul. I've got a list for things I want to ask God about. I've, I've, got, I've got lists and lists of questions. Because it's okay when somebody dies, and yet it's not okay. We know that they're safe. We know that they're well. You, you know, if they were a believer, we know they're with God. We're, we're not worried about them in that sense. But we miss them. There is a gap where that person used to be. And that gap remains. So God is faithful to Job and does a lot to make things right for Job. He restores family to him. He restores neighbors to him. You know, Job had been, in in Job's day and time, They didn't understand contagiousness when it came to disease. So basically, if you had something like a horrible skin disease, they just assumed you were contagious and you were isolated. And part of that isolation was because the assumption was that if you had something that bad, you did something wrong to deserve it. Which is what Job's friends kept telling him. God has to come into the mix and inform the friends that they're wrong. And they owe Job an apology. And Job actually prays for his friends. He is such a good man that he prays for the friends who are giving him such a hard time. And God is so impressed that God just overflows in blessings for Job. Relationships are important. And relationships are more important than our stuff relationships at times even may be more important than who's right. You know, sometimes we can get stuck in, I'm right, they're wrong, and that's just all there is to it. And Job certainly had every right after those friends had treated him, told him over and over again, this is all your fault, just confess your sins and God will forgive you and then you'll be free from all of this. Job had every right To be angry at them. And when God showed up and said, Hey, I'm on on Job's side. Job's got this right. You guys were wrong to tell him that. You were wrong to accuse him of being a sinner. Job had, it would have been a perfectly reasonable reaction for Job to say, Punt this, you guys get out of my life. I'm right, you're wrong, get out of here. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. That's not what Job did, because relationships are important. And relationships are more important than who's right and who's wrong. Now, you know, if you're dealing with somebody who has broken laws, who, who is a terrible, horrible, awful person, then, then you may need to adjust what I'm saying here. But if it's the garden variety, two people have different opinions on the same topic, then we need to think real hard before we go and break. Up relationships over that. It's part of what breaks my heart about what's going on in the church right now. A decision is being made that doctrine is more important than relationship. And that's not what I see in Jesus. And that's not what I see here with Job. Job's right. God said he was right. You know, most of us don't get that. You know, if we're, if we're in an argument with somebody, we, most of us don't have God literally saying to us, you're right, they're wrong. Job had that, and even Job doesn't say, get away from me. He prays for them, that they'll understand, that they'll be enlightened, that they'll realize the error of their ways. He prays for them. What a model for us to pray for one another even when we've been done wrong even when we are sure in our heart hearts that we're we're in the right and they're in the wrong what would it do if we prayed for each other i think it opens the door for peace and reconciliation and that's what you see in this last chapter of job you see reconciliation and you know, it, it, it has a, a flair as you read it, it has this feeling of, you know, okay, this is the happy ending and, you know, the, the movie fades to black and the, you know, Joe rides off into the sunset with his new family. It, it, it kind of reads that way, but I think when we read between the lines and think about, you know, try to put ourselves in Job's shoes, I think we realize that it, it's more complicated than that. But that the important thing to remember is that god is with us even in the difficult times god never actually abandons job god stays back he's hands off for a while but he knows what job is going through he's always there he hears job's cries he hears job's prayers and answers them granted he answers them out of a whirlwind which could be a little disconcerting but he answers them and Job has a chance at a new start in life. You know, I think our lives come in Acts and, and, and chapters, whether, I don't know if you prefer the, the, the playwright version or the book version, but, you know, our, our, we can see sometimes chapters coming to a close, and the starting of a new chapter. You know, I, my life changed when I was 48. My grandmother died when she was 98. My great-grandmother died when she was 94. Mom is in her mid-70s and going strong. Um, I don't expect that she'll be going anywhere, anytime in the next 20 years. Um, So I figure, from age 48, that I probably, assuming nothing, you know, no drastic, nothing drastic happens, no accidents or anything like that, that, I've probably got another 48 years or so to hang around here. And so I thought about it when when things fell apart when I was 48. I thought, maybe this is God's way of setting my life into two acts. I've got one act from birth to 48, and I've got another act that's being written from 48 forward, and there are good things in that 48 forward. I'm in school which I'm loving, although I, you know, Maggie can tell you, I tear my hair out when I've got a paper due. But I love my edu- I love my school. Um, I've got, you know, plans for the future. There are good things. Do I carry with me the scars of the first act? Oh, yeah. And Joe carried the scars of his battle. May have carried literal scars. You know, we don't know. Joe had those sores. They he scraped with a pot shirt, and it's entirely possible that Job carried physical scars in his physical body. And I'm not so sure that that's either surprising or a bad thing, that we carry scars. Remember that when Jesus rises from the dead, he has scars. Because he tells Thomas, look at my hands. Put your hand in my side. Jesus was raised with scars. And if Jesus was raised with scars, then I don't think we should expect to go into our second act, third act, fifth chapter, fourth chapter, whatever it is, wherever you are, without scars. It's part of being a human. As much as being a little kid and and bumping your head on, on something and causing a scar that way. Maggie, when she was four, took a flying leap across the tile floor of our kitchen uh, in flip-flops and landed chin first and had to get stitches. Four years old, it took six of us to hold the child down so that they could give her the shot to numb her chin. That kid can fight, let me tell you. (laughs) She's got a scar from her early years. But it's a reminder of the little girl that she was, running everywhere. The fact that she keeps going from it, you know, it's not anything that keeps her, holds her down or holds her back, but it's a scar, it's a reminder of a story. May we see our scars as reminders of our stories. May we feel the comfort of God with us in the good times and the bad times. May we place our trust in God who loves us far more abundantly than we can ever understand. Amen.